<laughs> that or, or no, more, more. Uh, I guess the more appropriate question is, who wants to buy a GoPro camera, which that was all filmed with? Uh, if, if you don't know what a GoPro is, it's a little camera that's uh, being used all kind, in all kinds of adventure sports. And, that, and those were, they had those cameras clipped onto their surfboards. And the, you could see the one guy holding it on there. And they captured, what it would, for others, what it feels like to be under one of those giant waves as it just is going right over top and you could see they were they were feeling the side of the wave as they went by and it was starting to build and build and build over top until it crashed down over their heads or until they just just barely escaped the crash have you ever been in a situation like that in life where you feel life kind of building and building and building you can feel there's you know there's something overhead that's that's starting to loom and it's got this ominous presence where you know this is going to be this is going to be pretty crazy if this all falls down on me at one point. I'm, and I'm just trying to keep myself ahead of the situation so I'm not whoosh, overwhelmed and washed away. Have you ever been in a situation like that in life? What about the first time, if you can go back to high school, I know we've got some high school students here too, the first time you faced a high school exam or maybe the first time you went into a university exam. Do you remember that feeling? Never before had you had to write a test that was scheduled at a certain time and you showed up and you're in one of those giant rooms and, every, and, the, and they're saying you're not allowed to pick up your pencil until the bell starts and then you know you're timed and you, what you, how you perform on this test is significantly going to affect your future or at least you feel that way at the moment and you feel if I don't knock it through this test, this is just things are really going to change in my life. You remember that feeling? Remember that? You're overwhelmed, right? You're overwhelmed by math. What about, for those of you who are married, the morning of your wedding day? Do you remember that feeling? There's good overwhelm, but there's also the scary overwhelming feeling. There's good, old, good overwhelming feeling, but a scary overwhelming feeling as well, right? You know from this day forward, your life is joined with this person. You're going to get to see them morning, afternoon, and night, day after day, get to see them morning, <laughs> not have to. But you know that all of a sudden your life is now intricately tied in and the way that you experience your dreams and, and the things that you want, that's going to be tied to somebody else's dreams and somebody else's experiences now. And the door pops open and if you're, you're a guy, you're standing at the front and you watch her and her father walking down towards the front, and you know that in very few seconds, this is, this, this is all real. You're overwhelmed. It's, it's coming over top of you. What about parents? You're holding your child for the first time. You know every little decision that you make is now going to significantly impact the life of another person. You're responsible for teaching right and wrong. You're responsible for teaching how to throw a ball, catch a ball, do long division, drive a car, how to follow God. Life can feel like you're lost in a wave. And it's not just these good experiences. We know, too, sometimes we go through these other negative experiences where you feel like you don't have solid footing, where your financial stability is taken from you because your job is changed or your job is lost, or the partner that you once felt that you'd forever be with is now questioning whether that relationship is going to stay together. You're overwhelmed. Maybe Hawaii is the best answer for us, right? Let's go right now. We'll just surf and we'll just live on the beach and surf. Well, we're in the middle of a series called The Journey, and we're looking at the lives this morning. We're going to look at the lives of a family that got overwhelmed by their life. And we're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 16. And if you want to borrow a Bible this morning, just raise your hand and you can borrow a copy. Art will make sure you get a copy of the Bible to follow along with. So just slip your hand up and you can borrow that. You can follow along online. 
If you go to the U version and you look for uh, a live event, you just find Portico or Milton, and you can have the scriptures there, and some of them will be on the screen behind you as well. But we're going to look at the lives of a family, and Abram and Sarai were the, are the two main characters, and Sarai had this servant, and her name was Hagar, and God promised this very old couple that they'd have a baby. They said, you're going to have a baby, God says, and you're going to, in fact, you're going to be parents of an entire nation. And it wasn't happening, and they were in their 70s. And here's where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 16, starting at verse 1. And we're going to read, it's out of the NIV translation. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai had said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, Hagar, this is she, began to despise Sarai, her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put a slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And Abram says this, he goes, your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think is best. And then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. They're being overwhelmed by their lives. We keep reading here. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, and it was spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? We're going to go back to those questions. She says, I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. This is a messed up family situation, to say the least. Can we agree with that? <laughs> we have the servant sleeping with the husband at the wife's direction to lead to a baby, and it leads to jealousy, and it leads to hatred, and it leads to one person running for their lives. Sometimes I laugh that we think it's funny that modern life is way more messed up than it used to be. <laughs> people, people are people, and people have made interesting choices all of their lives. And so it's important for us to learn this, that difficult circumstances are an unavoidable reality in life. There is no formula to navigate around feeling overwhelmed at different times. I listed a bunch of them to start the morning off. But in this story, Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't get pregnant. Some of you have faced that very reality in your own life, and you know the pain and the struggle that comes when a couple is wanting a baby and yet not able to conceive a baby, knowing that there's a practical part, but there's also a spiritual miracle part, and you're thinking, man, it, this is just this thing that's building over top of us. And we've all faced all kinds of circumstantial situations as well that we face not because of our own doing, but because they get thrust upon us. And these situations that are not pleasant, but they're building these ominous situations, and, and it's not that we've chosen to do it, it's just what we're facing in life. Sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes we make choices and we bring on these situations ourselves. If we go back to chapter 15 as well in chapter 12, we see that God promised Abram that he'd have this baby. And he turned, them, he turned him into the, fa the father of a great nation. But they were 70 years old. 
It's hard to blame Abram and Sarai for having a lack of faith at this point. Not a lot of 70-year-olds have babies. It's, it's not hard for us to go, why, Sarai, were you questioning the voice of God? Remember we looked at last week, we said God is speaking to us all the time, yet sometimes we have a hard time actually trusting that that's God's voice. And people around us start saying, no, that, that might not be the plan that God has for you. If these two, think about this. These two believed that they were going to have a family and they were 70 years old. What would you tell a 70-year-old wanting to have a baby? What would you tell grandma if grandma came and said, I really think it's time for me to have a baby. And, and God, not only that, God said, it's time for me to have a baby. So I'm just going to believe that God have, well, how would you respond? For those of you who have friends in that, in, that, in that age bracket, what would you say to your friend? You would question them and you would start to say, are you really sure God's speaking to you? That might just not be something that you really want. So here's what Sarah does. She steps into action and she makes something happen. <laughs> now, it's good to note that this wasn't out of the range of, of, of normal for this culture. For, for a wife to give her husband their servant to sleep with was actually customary in their culture. And it was a way to have more children because kids were a heritage. They were wealth. They were blessing. It wasn't out of the complete normal for the people living in this region at the time. But it's definitely not what God had promised and God had called them to. God had asked them, God had promised them, you're going to have a baby. And sometimes we make choices and we bring on difficult circumstances into our own lives because we look at our lives and we say, you know, God, I'm not really happy with where life is taking me right now. I don't really like the things that have been going or the way my life is trending. So I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make something happen. I'm a person of action. I, I, I can get things done, God. Watch me. I'm going to get it done. So we break a relationship. We quit a job. We apply to a school or a career that we know just isn't right. We do something drastic because we don't like the way life is going. And we say, God, I don't really trust that you're going to come through for me in this. And we make a choice that brings on a difficult circumstance. And we justify these choices too, don't we? We say, well, listen, my friends are doing it that way. Every, I see people all around. They're, they, they're just saying, I'm quitting my job and going to follow my dream because, because they want to. So I can do that too, right, God? God, I, I don't have to stay committed to this relationship you called me to because sometimes people just grow apart and that's okay. So I can do that because it's customary, right, God? We justify it. Culturally, it's fine. But God has different plans for us. We need to know this. If we are followers of Christ, if we want to submit our lives to him, he's got different ways for us. And sometimes we get ourselves into trouble because we don't make our choices that way. And in this case, Abraham and Sarah's choice, they left, it left them in the overwhelming situation. Hagar was an immigrant living in a foreign nation with different people and different customs. And I know many times I'll speak with people, they, they'll say, you know, when we moved to Canada, we started trying to figure out what was, what was cultural and what was scriptural and, and we're causing all kinds of upset people in our family back home because we're changing the way that we do things. And it's all kinds of ways, whether it's choices, whether it's circumstantial, whether it's just cultural things, we can't avoid sometimes in our life facing rejection, facing pain, facing mistreatment difficult circumstance. But here's what we see is that rarely do we react to do we react appropriately to difficult circumstances. We've got a picture uh, up here and 
this is a picture of a person who decided they needed to change their job. So they wanted to find a creative way to let their boss know it was time for them to pursue a different career. So if you're ever in the UK and you need a cake, apparently you go to mrcake.co.uk, okay? That's where you go. We're just putting out a little advertisement this morning. You've seen videos maybe online where people have quit their jobs in not the most gracious ways. I've, I've seen a video, there's a guy that walks in and he's got, a, he's got a, a speaker over his head and he's got I Quit painted on his chest and he plays like the Superman song and he's dancing around showing his boss. I saw one, somebody brought a marching band in and he looked at his boss said, I quit. And then they, the guy started banging the drums and doing all that. There was a lady, I don't know if you saw this on the news. She quit on the news the, uh, a few weeks ago. You, you see that? She was, she was reporting a story about, about marijuana um, in enforcements and, and, and well, what was happening in, in her state. And she swears on the air and says, I quit and walks away. She goes, I'm a, I'm a part of this organization and walks out. We don't always react appropriately to difficult circumstances. We get, we get overwhelmed and then we react. We get all fired up. We get all emotional and we have this emotional response and it doesn't work out well for our lives. In fact, I thought about this. If we followed our emotions as a rule, most of us would be married at 13 years old. We would be living on a beach somewhere. We'd be trying to turn pro as a dancer or ultimate frisbee or something like that. If we really just made our emotional decisions said, I just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what feels good at the moment and react emotionally. We end up in bad places. So let's look at our story this morning at some of the emotional responses that happen. As soon as Hagar gets pregnant, the Bible says that she began to despise Sarai. And the word study, if we, do that, what, uh, if we look at what despise means, it says she began to call her out and put Sarai down, put her in this lower place. Sarai was called to be the matriarch, the mother, for, for her family, as well as the new nation of Israel that was going to come. This was a covenant promised by God, and Sarai was to be there. And Hagar begins to throw that in her face. She says, Guess who's pregnant? I'm pregnant now. Guess who has the power now? I have the power. That's what the despise means. That's the connotation that's in there. She started to put her success in the face of somebody else because she was happy. She was proud. All of a sudden, this lady who had, was a servant was now in charge. So she flaunted it. And we've done this before, haven't we, sometimes? Maybe not this exactly, but we've come into something good, something great. We want to let other people know how good and great it is for us, and we start to share that news with other people. Maybe people that have questioned how good we were in the past, where maybe you, maybe you have a colleague, and you know, you've both been at the same level, and that colleague hasn't always appreciated your skills that you know you have great skills. But this person didn't know that so much. So when you get promoted, you just like to share that promotion with that person. Just, I just wanted you to know that I was promoted. <laughs> I don't know if you were promoted today, but I was promoted. I just, I just wanted you to make sure that you knew that I was promoted. <laughs> this goes right back into, into, our, into our, 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 our high school days, right? As adolescents, we, we, we start out, if somebody gets a date with the, with, the, with, the, with the cheerleader girl or the big guy on campus, we start to share that. I see it now with students, they inst- it's, it's, all, it's Instagrammed all over, right? If somebody's got something good happen, they Instagram it. And they're, they're happy about what they're doing, but they're also sh- flaunting it to everybody else. It's this emotional reaction that we have. And this is Hagar. 
Hagar has this big emotional response and puts it in the face of Sarai. Sometimes we do it in the, in the, um, in the capes of false humility. But it's not really humility. It's beginning, to, it's beginning to put that in the face of other people, or, uh, other people. And Hagar reacts quite poorly. But Sarai, she isn't exactly Little Miss Calm either. Remember what she does if we look in the story. She does what any self-respecting adult would do in a situation where they feel picked on and helpless to change it. She told on her. <laughs> she went to Abraham and said, you see what she's doing? You see what's happening? Sarai didn't feel like she could do anything about her, so she goes to Abram and says, you did this. <laughs> she knows how human interactions work. She, she's pregnant. You did it. And you need to fix this now. I'm not going to live this way. She looks at Abraham and said, not my problem, your problem. She gets this emotional response because remember whose idea was in the first place. It was Sarai's idea in the first place. So Abraham decides to use this moment to remind Sarai of that information because he's having an emotional response too and go, hey, I didn't do it. This was your idea. You go do whatever you want to do. Again, everybody's having poor responses because there's emotions involved in these overwhelming situations. And the Bible says that Sarai began to mistreat her. Now, before we go too far down the line of what we think mistreat may mean, we wanted to study this word again. And basically what it means is, is that Hagar was, was the servant. She was, she was her maidservant. She was treated as family. All along this time, Hagar lived with Sarah and was like a sister, was like family, was right in there. But as soon as she became pregnant, Sarah cut her off and said, no, you're just a servant. You're, you, you're not even part of our people. You're a foreigner. I don't want you here. And made her like a servant, like a slave. And it changed Hagar's living conditions, her working conditions. Everything about her life changed. And in fact, in that culture, there was a tattoo that was placed on people who were in the, sl- in the slave status. And everybody would know who a slave was because they had a tattoo. And it's quite possible that when, mistreat, when this word mistreat comes up, that Hagar was now treated as a slave and maybe tattooed as a slave. So everybody would know, no, this isn't one of our family. This isn't somebody we trust. This is a slave that we don't like and we don't, we don't want. We, we, just, we own them. So Hagar's faced with a choice. Horrible situation that she's put into. She's a foreign slave now living in wilderness. What's she going to do? Is she going to stay there or is she going to go back to... Egypt. So what, have you ever heard of fight or flight, fight or flight syndrome? When we get into difficult circumstances, there's a natural reaction that comes in and we look at it, it's fight or flight. We either stand there and, and do everything we can to hold our ground or we run away. Those are the natural human emotional responses. And here's Hagar. She starts with a fight and she starts fighting Sarah. And when that doesn't go so well, then she turns to flight and she takes off and goes back towards Egypt. And if you're on the downside of an emotional decision that you've made, you might have better perspective on what you did, right? Sometimes the job that we quit on principle, we wouldn't have done it so quickly now that we've seen what's happened. A relationship that seemed irreconcilable that we ended, we may have regret and feel like, I'm not so sure I want to do that. Students in school getting ready to drop out because it's not the career that they thought that it would be. Life gets hard, life gets scary, life gets overwhelming, and we think the only way out of this is to fight or to run. 
And if you're in the midst of one of these situations right now, we've got to go and le- learn from the lessons of our past of Hagar and Abraham and Sarah and heed the warning and hang on a little bit longer because emotional reactions are almost always overreactions. It goes, and life blows up because we're hurt or we're mad. And we're not going to be satisfied down the road. But when we get into these situations, it's just the way that we respond. Do you remember Peter when Jesus was arrested? He watched his best friend get taken down for a crime that he didn't commit. And now Peter's worrying for his own life. And three times he's given the opportunity to react well. And he said, aren't you one of the guys that was with Jesus? And he's in this situation where he's afraid and he doesn't want things to go badly. So he lies. No, I I don't know him. And he's asked again. And then the third time when he's asked, he starts swearing. He gets really mad. He gets up in the face. I've never heard this guy. I don't know this guy. I'm not from there. He self-destructs. And it's natural. And nobody expects us to feel any different. But we need to know how to get from feeling a certain way and reacting. And we believe this morning as we're going through this story that God does not abandon you regardless of your circumstance. That's the third point there that we believe. God never abandons us regardless of the difficult circumstance. Let's go back to our story. Hagar's on the run and God's angel confronts her face to face and he asks her these two important questions. Where have you come from and where are you going? The where have you come from question is simply this. Hagar, what happened? What was the situation that led up to you feeling overwhelmed? Who hurt you? What did you do? Was this a choice that you made or is this a circumstance that you're reacting to? And so many of us are held hostage by our pasts because of one difficult circumstance that takes this prominent place in our mind and we can't get past it. And it begins to affect major areas of our life and we find ourselves upset and running from the very place that God wants us to be because we've reacted. And God comes here and says, Hagar, I see you running. I see you taking off from where I had you. Can we talk about it? Because avoiding the difficult circumstance, it rarely works. Just trying to say, it's in the past. I'm not dealing with it. I'm done. That doesn't work. We can't deal with our past until we're ready to confront it. And if you're in the midst of something right now, God is asking you, reflect on this. Where have you come from? And then he says, where are you going? Hagar, what are you planning on doing with your life? I know you've been hurt, but I know we can get through this. You've just got to be ready to reevaluate and look at things from a different way. Are you ready to confront this? Where have you come from? And now where are you going? Exodus 3, 7. Here's what the word of the Lord says. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them. In the New Testament, Hebrews 13 and 5, God said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Running away is not the answer to our desperation. God is ever ready to intervene and help reset the course. And sometimes God says, let's go back and fix this. And with Hagar, that's exactly what he does. He instructs her to go back and serve the way that they tell you. Hagar, humble yourself and trust me. Now let's be very clear. He wasn't saying go back and go through abuse. Because she wasn't being abused. She was being overlooked. She was being mistreated. She was being put into this situation that didn't feel so good. But God says, just go back and trust me. I've got a plan. I'm going to bless you. 
I haven't forgotten about you, Hagar. And he starts her on this new path. And one of the things that I love about this story is that Hagar wasn't a Jew. Hagar wasn't somebody that knew God. Hagar wasn't, for us, we would say, a a churchgoer. She wasn't a Christian. She was an Egyptian that had a totally different belief system. And she encounters this God that asks her these questions and says, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? What happened and why are you running off somewhere? And this encounter changes everything about her future. So here's where we land this morning. That your response to God will ultimately define your future. Let's look what Hagar said. Genesis 16, 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. She didn't even know who God was. But right then and there, she knew definitively that God had seen her and seen her journey and knew what she was going through. And some of us have had these encounters in life where God sees the overwhelming situation and he stops us in our track. In, he stops us in our tracks. But this morning we may have forgotten what it's like to meet God so powerfully in the midst of one of these situations. Others of you, you may be here and you've never had a conversation like this with God. You go through life and these circumstances come and you've been to church, but you may not know that there's a God who sees you. And that's why your reaction in the midst of a struggle is to run or to fight. I want to go back to the story of Peter in John 21. This is Peter who who had sworn he didn't know Jesus. And then Jesus dies and comes back to life. Peter never really thought that would happen. That's a great little side lesson that sometimes God indeed does the unexpected in the middle of our crises. But Jesus looks at Peter face to face in John chapter 21, and he says, Peter, do you really love me? He knows full well that Peter had denied him and sworn up and down he never met him. And he says, Peter, if you love me, I'm ready to help things change. If you trust me, I'm going to make you the rock of my church. And if we, if, if we really study with that passage, he says, go feed my lambs, and I'm going to establish you as my rock, Peter. I'm going to change things. I'm going to invest a whole future into you if you really trust me and you're ready to respond differently. And Peter's ability to humble himself and trust God was the game changer. Hagar's response to trust God and go back to that situation sets out a whole new course of world history. Her son, Ishmael, turns into the father of a great Arabic nation, Do those words resonate with you? Can you trust that God said he's going to do, he is going to do what he said he's going to do? He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'll forgive you and remember the wrong things that have happened. I won't remember them anymore. I've got a path for your life. I've got peace for you in the midst of a stressful situation. I've got joy in the midst of a sad time. And this morning, we're going to take some time and pray with each other and respond in a way like we're in the midst of an overwhelming wave. I invite the team back. And this morning, we really believe that there are people that are in the midst of these situations. And it's difficult for you to say, God, I trust you. And you might be in the midst of responding 
in an emotional way and overreacting and running and saying, God, I can't face that situation anymore. I'm getting out of here. I'm making a decision for myself. I'm going to make that thing happen that I want to happen. And God says, no, it's not a moment to run. It's not a moment to fight. It's a moment to have an encounter with me. Where have you come from? And trust that God can help you make a new decision about where you're going. We're going to sing a song that we sang lots of times a few years ago in church. And it just says that, God, I'm desperate for you. I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me? And we've got some folks that would love to pray with you this morning if you're in the midst of one of these situations or if you just feel like you need to stand resolute in your seat and worship God and respond to God in your own way, that's great too. But if you do want somebody to pray with you, I'm just going to ask that as we begin to sing the song that you come and you step out of your seat and just find a space around the front and one of our, one of our team, one of our, one of our leaders will take some time and pray with you and just say, we believe you can have an encounter with God and we believe that God doesn't just leave us in the midst of these difficult circumstances And we believe that God hasn't forgotten about you, but that he wants to help you go, go back, face what's happened, and be ready to have a new path, a new circumstance happen. Just come as we sing. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence This is my daily bread. 
greatest things about serving God is that we have truth. And regardless of it's us facing a circumstance or if it's someone in our circles, our friends facing a circumstance, we have the truth within us and we're called to go be salt and light in the world. And you know, this might be a topic and a message that, that we can go and encourage somebody else with, that now's not the time to overreact. Now's not the time to run or fight but that maybe it's a time that we stop and consider, does God have something, some part to play in our lives? You know, that's, that's the calling of us as a church, is to go be his presence and spirit in the world. And I want to read a prayer over us as a church this morning. And this morning I just feel that we're to pray it not only for us, but everybody that we represent. This group of 100 people represents thousands. And there are thousands of people in difficult circumstances that are overreacting emotionally that just need a God encounter where God says, I know you. Just be honest. Where have you come from? Where are you going? Let's figure this out together. I want to read out of the psalm. Psalm 139, 1-4. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all of my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Oh, Lord, you know it completely. And Father, I ask that as we go from this place, and we go just be your church in our jobs, and in our families, and in our neighborhoods, that we would be able to share your message of hope with whoever we see, Lord. God, I pray for divine appointments this week with us and other people that we can be an encourager and we can say, you know, I'd love to pray about this with you because I think there's a God that does care and there's a God that does know. And people that have been walking around with the feeling of God has forgotten about me. Life has rejected me. Life is about to crash down on me. They can trade that in, that story in for God remembers me, God knows, and God has made a way. So, Father, I pray as a church, we have those encounters this week. And, Holy Spirit, we believe that you'll lead us. So help us be 
sensitive to your voice and your leading this week, Lord. We thank you for a time to get together. We thank you for a great morning, Jesus. And we just ask that um, your spirit go as we go. In your name, amen.